another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! Here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, and this is episode 21 of the podcast for April 2016. And today we're going to continue discussing about the Dark Crystal Creation Myths Volume 3, and... To start the show, we'll introduce the guests, uh, but I just want to say uh, to, to Bland, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me back. Good to be here. Cool. And we've got um, Peter on board. Thanks, Pete, for coming back. No problem. My pleasure. And last but not least, Nancy. So, Nancy Gray, just want to say thanks for um, yeah coming back on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Cool. And so, I, I believe the last time that we, uh, yeah, chatted about the um, creation myths, um, I'd say we're towards, yeah, the end of Volume 2, um, which is sort of... Chapter 2. Chapter 2, yeah. At the start or at the end? I think we were at the near the end of Chapter 2, weren't we? Or... Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, because we had mentioned how Agra didn't quite um, recognize Ronip. She was just kind of mm-hmm. like off in her own little world yeah absolutely yeah and the skexy and the gelfling were touching hands at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. yeah so but i did want to know that they're not uh that they're not dream fasting the skexy touching the hand of the gelfling like that reminds me of dream fasting which makes it kind of interesting oh, yeah. too I guess that is sort of an interesting, interesting thing. I guess concept whether, whether I guess if Skeksis can actually dream fast or not, or even the Mystics and even so the um, the Earth Skeks. I mean, considering that they well, were from for, another planet, according to the world of the Dark Crystal, humans can, and um, so I would think mm. that they could. Um, yeah, but it also, it's, I'm wondering if maybe it's not a dream fast because then if it was, they would have known no. the Skeksis' true plan. Yeah, they wouldn't have wanted to dream fast with them. Yeah. I don't think it's actually supposed to be a dream fast, but I think that the symbolism is there. Right. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure why, but I think that's kind of interesting. Maybe it's pretty much like so the equivalent of a ha- of a handshake, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. Something well, I know. noticed. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, you never know. I mean, Agra is supposed to have taught the Gelflings to dream fast. So, apart from that, uh, is she going to teach the Skeksis or the Mystics? Probably not. And well, wasn't it the other way around? Didn't she teach? Didn't they teach Augur how to dream fast? No, I don't think so. I'll check it up, but I don't believe that's the case. I actually think that they might have taught Augur. I could be wrong. We we need to check that on the, with the it's other in book. volume one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also with. Um, talking about the mystics too that you think mm-hmm. that if they dream fast that they would have just dream fasted with jen and then he'd know all he'd have needed for the quest for the the yeah. movie yeah absolutely yeah absolutely because yeah. i know like i guess they never really told him much um i mean they probably you know gave him some background of you know what happened to his to his clan and 
that basically the Skix the Skex is killed his mother and father. Um, but yeah, just uh, probably just not enough information that you know. I guess Jen probably would have liked to know well, more. But yeah, they may not have wanted to tell him all of the information since technically they're like the other side of the same coin. Plus, they they have such long lifespans anyway. I mean, they probably could dream fast with them, but I don't know. I mean, that would be an awful lot of story to tell. You know? Yeah. Um, I did find it. It's um, the Gelflings shared with Algra their gift of dream fasting to share one's mind directly with another, and through this com and through this compact, she taught them what she knew of the world, and she taught them of the bright crystal which hummed and vibrated within Thrum. She told them oh. how to plant and when to harvest. Okay. So she basically, they, they taught her how to dream fast, and then that's how she shared with them that there was this crystal heart of Thra. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. Um, something okay. I noticed earlier in Chapter 2 was that they, they referenced the, this Gelfling city that they've all gathered at as being the heart of the Gelfling race. So this is like their main city. I guess it's like their yeah. capital city <laughs> of, of the um, of the seven uh, Gelfling clans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, going to to chapter three, we um, sort of see you know the the Skeksis. I would sort of say in their in their prime, I guess, um, uh, discussing about the plan and whether you know. Uh, it'll work or not, and um, and yeah, it sort of got to the scene where um, when we see uh, uh, Skek shot, um, yeah, getting whacked, but in the head by the uh, by the emperor, and um, I know I think we discussed this a little a little bit um, that we did realize that Skek shot was um, one of the Skeksis who was in in the film in the Dark Crystal, um, so. Mm-hmm. Yes, the treasurer. Yeah, the treasurer. So yeah. definitely not dead. <laughs> not Just dead, badly but wounded. And yeah, wounded, <laughs> and honestly, his pride is wounded too. Because I didn't yeah. notice this when I first read it, but when he smacks him on, on the uh, neck like that, he breaks this um, charm around his neck, which is actually what's holding his clothes up. When he's lying down there um, on the ground, he has barely any clothes on at all. Oh, yeah. So he, it's almost he, like the start of a carapace, yeah. Yeah, he didn't just uh, wound him. He humiliated him. So in and of that itself, that's kind of symbolic, too. Well, here's something I noticed, is that this is the first time that Skekso has, you know, kind of declared himself as the emperor. But he's not a king. and But they've already built the throne and the scepter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know... Since it's here, I might as well be emperor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he's like, you know, does anyone else want to question my rule? Um, I think, yeah, that was probably the last time that probably any Skeksis would want to, you know, stand up or want to overtake uh, the throne. Um, they're just like, all right, you know, you, you, you can be emperor, you know. <laughs> Definitely before the uh, trials were set up. I guess he was just the strongest out of all of them, and they recognized that. Yeah. And they're having meetings in his bedroom. This is where it's built, if you remember. Huh. 
they've got this big throne in his bedroom, and he's got a bed nearby, and you can. Sort oh, I of thought see they were it. separate chambers. Um, you can sort of see it over on the right there, um, just where it says Chapter Three, Emperor of the Skeksis. I think that's his bed, but again, I could be wrong. Oh. I have a film reference. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I, I always thought they were separate rooms. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting to check out. It, uh, mm -hmm. Basically, this always struck me as just... <laughs> uh, this is a one big you know, room, part, yeah. Yeah, one big set. And that yeah. may be a choice of the film, but in this case, um, he's basically just legitimizing what already has been given, and he's consolidating his power, which, you know, kings and emperors do. And so, the you know, Thol, uh, Thol's mom sort of has to you know, leaves her, um, uh, daughter to, um, I, I believe was to, um, yeah, to, to visit the, uh, the Skeksis, um, for assistance. And, um, I guess, well, well, I kind of find it interesting, I guess, is just a little quote, may the crystal protect us all. It's sort of like another way. So like the dark crystal zone, <laughs> may the force uh, be with you. Um, sort of quote um <laughs> so yeah when, when i when i was reading that i'm like huh you know that, that was kind of you know a neat sort of <laughs> almost semi star wars reference but not really but yeah i just there, I was... <laughs> there have there have actually been a couple i've noticed yeah <laughs> the, the whole let us not be ruled by emotions i can't remember no. which chapter that was in but that tickled me <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i like how they called this one girl a, you sound like that old grumpy drenching and I'm thinking, is, I guess that just means to be washed up, <laughs> to be drowned, like a, a drenching. Yeah. Well, that is one of the clans. It is, yeah. Oh, is yeah. it? I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. Are they like a seafaring people? No, they're uh, the... No, they're the swamp, the swamp people. people, yeah. I think, oh, okay. I think the one of the yeah, clans that um, J.M. Lee um, is writing on for um shadows of the dark crystal i know like his short story entry was based on the drenching mm -hmm. clan um That's right. yeah, yeah so yeah i haven't explored all of those writings and whatnot no mm -hmm. I, yeah so i mean yeah with the book coming out in june it's yeah yeah looking forward to it um to reading it mm -hmm. but yeah yeah um i don't know if anyone caught this but this was before I knew exactly who the storyteller was. And in this top panel here, you see this Gelfling with a staff that has a little fizz gig next to him. That's right. And, and I was thinking, is this the storyteller? Because nowhere in any panel does it, that one Gelfling have any lines, doesn't say a word, is just there in that panel. And I was thinking, maybe that's the storyteller. Or maybe it was a decoy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that that sort of went by me when I was yeah, when reading it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't didn't look That's into. A, uh, yeah, could be the same fizz gig, possibly. Or that is true. another fizz gig about to uh, try and get the pouch there. Yeah, there are f lots of fizz gigs in this universe, apparently. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. So we go back to the. Um, the castle of the crystal i did um look on darkcrystal.com and they do reference only three skexis language words 
And one of them is the where the Skeksis um, Chamberlain stops the Gartham and he says, Mala. And then um, mm-hmm. there's the Hawkskika Stone, which was mentioned in the World of the Dark Crystal. And then um, there was one other one. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's been one of the things I've actually, um, I think I asked someone from the Dark Crystal forums about whether they'll, um, you know, hopefully update um, sort of the um, the encyclopedia entries to sort of expand on, you know, based on volumes, uh, on volume three of um, creation myths. And um, I think it's something that, you know, may, you know, happen, you know, or, you know, that is probably in discussions about, um, updating those entries um, to include well, I would those. think yeah. with like the video contest like coming up soon like being over soon that they're probably going to do some sort of update um, the only update that I've seen so far is that they've put the pre-orders for JM Lee's um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, that was yeah Shadows of the Crystal uh, the other word was Kokoi the sound of the crystal cracking which is mentioned in the world of the dark crystal so they do not acknowledge any of the spoken Skeksis language from the director's cut or from the novelization mm-hmm. yeah I think they're just sticking to you know whatever happened in the film is you know the canon and yeah um, yeah yeah and I guess that makes sense because you know yeah. they want to keep it kind of simple, probably at this point. Yeah, and I guess like novelizations, you know, they can be sort of because it, like novelizations, I guess they can sometimes go in a different direction at times. And I think whether those things contradict to what happens on the screen um, sometimes. So yeah, yeah, but I still think yeah. that Jim would have wanted that to be canon. Yeah. When you read the notes in the back of the reprint, he he really did want that to be a companion to the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, and so yeah, um, they're sort of well back to the Skeksis at the Castle of the Crystal, and they're sort of yeah uh, chatting among themselves um, about you know about the Galflings. <laughs> I like how Skekso is just standing in the Crystal Chamber all by himself. <laughs> he's like I'm just hanging out here yeah it's like where are all the other Skeksis or wherever they're <laughs> out to lunch or like <laughs> it's like yeah I'm just gonna chill here for a bit yeah <laughs> um, we also know that uh, he doesn't have a headpiece so most of the other uh, uh, Skeksis pictured do but yeah I thought that was interesting too yeah mm-hmm. there are so Hello? But um, okay. he doesn't wear a, a headpiece at all. Mm-hmm. Yep, still here. <laughs> Seems almost like a Caesar reference. Because all the uh, Roman, well, a lot of the Roman emperors are bald. It might not have meant <laughs> to be that way, but that just makes me think of it. It is odd he's not wearing anything at all like that. He has that high collared get up on, though. Yeah, because he wasn't even wearing a headpiece in the in the in the film. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. He was. He was, he was dying. dying <laughs> crumbling yeah. away. Yeah. It looked so almost like he was wearing like a bedrobe or something in the in the film. I wonder if it's just like a sign of him like being 
showing a, like a vulnerability, like I don't need a helmet. I'm the strongest out of all of you. That could be. Like I don't I need like to be protected. Idea. Like I like how during this conversation he kind of rests his chin on his scepter, like hmm, like he's in thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could. They do really that. gave him a, a lot of character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like you know they sort of know what they want to do to um to have the um gelflings at their side and sort of be enslaved i guess um from the skexies and yeah i mean from that you know we um see um a gelfling uh tribe which i'm trying to think what tribe um uh i think they're the spriton clan yeah yes that have the the spears and the armor and things like that yeah, because they're the more warrior type um, compared to all the other clans. I think they're the only one that sort of have weapons and and all that. So, so yeah, they do hear the a strange. I need to yeah. I need to read the rest of the books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know any of these. My my questions here were: they've already got helmets and spears and weapons. Like somehow they've already had to defend themselves before the attacks. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Spriton clan, they said, were um, the more warrior-like clan. They still weren't supposed to be um, warlike, per se, but they actually did make weapons and rudimentary armor and things like that. Mm. It, sh- it should probably be on the website. And if you want to look into it, the, um, the five short stories... Um, there was actually one of them that it featured the Spriton clan. I mean, they're not canon or anything, but they're interesting. Right, right. That's a shameless I, I have plug for myself. I'm sorry it. about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did have those. It's all the next stuff on my list. I'm doing it all in order. So but the next is to read like all the supplemental material that was put out for the author quest and then to actually read those five short stories and then to read shadows and then to read gartham wars yeah absolutely yeah yeah so um and so yeah they they yeah they you know come across the the big minor creatures um i didn't realize how big they actually were um yeah that was my my observation was whoa they were a lot bigger than i thought but but you can one of them actually has a hammer there right in the center so they're not completely depicted as monsters but they're tool using but it kind of gets lost Mm -hmm. but then Matthew had already developed an underground creature that was large and so I think they just adapted that that's right yeah Mm. yeah just a strange random coincidence that sort of you know the character that he came you know to create and sort of realize oh wait there was a character like that you know in in the well not in the film but sort of that was developed for the dark crystal um yeah and so yeah the galflings they they come to um to visit the skexies and basically yeah you know and it's kind of cool to see <laughs> to see the skexies you know eating eating food um you know much like in the film the 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 banquet scene um which i recall was being one of jim henson's favorite scenes to to shoot essentially because yeah. it's pretty much just them just eating food and just, you know, <laughs> um, eating some crawlies in, between, in, you know, in the mix. So, <laughs> yeah. 
I like how he, he Skexo takes them into the crystal chamber and dazzles them with the crystal. Like, mm-hmm. The future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, oh, to the alliance oh. of the crystal, yeah. Because um, I guess, I, I mean, I guess in that way that I don't think many people would never been able to go to the center of the crystal, you know, being able to witness. Um, probably only a few as it, have ever gone inside the cast of the crystal. So I guess it's a bit of an honor, I guess, for, for the Gelflings, um, um, that have been there in that, in that regard. So it almost seems like they've, they're almost reverent in terms of the crystal in this particular book. It gets into that a little bit more in the next chapter, but it seems almost as though they're worshipping the crystal now. I don't know if anyone else got that impression. I just thought the way that they reacted to it. It's just like the Chris, you know, the Skeksis keep talking about how they were made the guardians of the crystal by um, the others and acting like that's sort of an honor and to basically let one of the Gelflings in to see the crystal is probably almost like a religious experience to them because they're seeing the heart of Thra. Well, they're also, uh, the Skeksis are also saying to the Gelflings, look, this is our crystal that we have here. It's not everybody's. You know, mm-hmm. we are the keepers of the crystal, uh, which they say right there, you know, and as the keepers of the crystal, you must be aware of many things hidden from others. So the Skeksis you know, are reinforcing the fact that they're the ones with access to the crystal and they will grant it to others if Mm -hmm. they're allies. Mm -hmm. And and right there, you know, the Urskex brought us here to be the new masters of the crystal. They're, you know, right from the horse's mouth. So we are the ones who know best, so you have to defer to us. So Mm -hmm. at this point, do the Skeksis know that they've been split? Yeah, I, I would say so. They're just... You know, not telling that to the Gelflings. Yeah. You know, they're saying they passed, the Urskeks passed the baton to us. Mm-hmm. Well, they're still implying that they're not from the Urskeks. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. But, you notice they never get into, you know, who we are and how we got here, how this castle got built and all that. It never really mm-hmm. gets into Right, because I was kind of under the impression that even the Uru didn't know yet that they had been split. Well, they didn't at first, but it could have, as their conscience kind of cleared, then they maybe you know stuff came back to them. I don't think it's that important to the Skeksis. You know, the right, Skeksis right. So on yeah. the crest, like, yeah, we're good. Not going to really think about it. Mm-hmm. But then run up like. Ronup doesn't ever explain that the Skeksis were from the Urskeks to the Gelfling. Like, like it, it seems that he might not even know that they were split. He might have just thought that the Urskeks left and these two other creatures appeared from wherever the Urskeks were coming from. Well, he's a, he's a smart guy, though. I think he's probably figured it out by now. Yeah, and I think, um, and I think Olgra, like, I think she well, knows Olgra straight out of the Yeah, she knows straight out of the bat, I think, that, um, um, that that they did split into two, and hence mm-hmm. trying to find. So then, why the doesn't he ever and... explain this to the Gelfling? Well, the Gelfling don't exactly receive him very well in this book. Just the one girl. Yeah, 
Right, but I would have thought at some point he would have been like, hello, they're from, they're split from these other, from the Uru, they're separate. Like, they used to be the Urskites, they're not actually separate, they, I don't. Well, how long was he um, underground with the, did we ever determine how long he was underground searching for the shard? Um, I don't Exactly. I don't number. think it was ever established. Yeah. Nah, no, nah, not in the um, not in the book. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't say like how many years or or how long it's been. Um, but um, I mean you know, speak of run up, you know, was uh, at chapter four and you know he visits um, when the uh, the Gelfling uh, villages and um, and yeah, he encounters uh Thal and um. You know, everyone knows him as sort of the restless Ranip, always questioning, challenging everything. Um, and, um, you know, and Thal's like, you know, even though, you know, Ranip feels like he's made a lot of mistakes or um, that, you know, none of his questions ever brought him any happiness, that um, Thal's like, well, you know, at least you're, you know, brave enough to ask him, you know, that you said something. Um about it and um but yeah i mean once once he finds out one finds up that you know the mother that um thal's mother is a gelfling elder and that um that the you know thal reveals that her mother has made a pact with the skeksis that um yeah he's like okay you know i have to go see them um try and talk them out of it i guess um yeah any comments about oh go ahead blind well, I was just going to say he commented about how busy the city was and or the town was and how they just, it, it kind of, he was surprised. Like, everyone is really busy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, because the Skeksis need a lot of stuff. And then he's even shocked that they need armor. He's like, what mm-hmm. armor? What do, what do y'all need armor for? Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that he was down there for a long time and that a lot of the Gelfling culture might have changed since then. I could be wrong about that, but I just get that impression. Well, they don't seem... Because he seems surprised by a lot of things. Yeah. He's not like, you know, been gone so long that he was a legend come to life. It's kind of like, you know mm-hmm. what, we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. And mm-hmm. I guess, like, you know, for her, for him and Olga to be gone for probably such a long time that, you know, it's sort of gotten a bit too late for... Um, because I mean, in this scene with the, with the council, um, you know, Runup returns and well, you know, speaks to the members and and you know they're sort of questioning him. You know, where were where were you and Olgra when we needed you the most? You know, you left us alone, unprotected. Um, so I feel like it must have been. I mean, to me, I would think at least probably ten or twenty years that they just mm-hmm. disappeared for such a long time that. Um, by the time that they return to say, you know, this is wrong, you know, and all that, that they're sort of like, well, you know, we, we don't agree with you anymore that, you know, we, we were forced to fend for ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Thank goodness the Skeksis came along cause they seem to know what they're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also know about the shard at this point, like who, who would have told them about the shard then, um, you know, like gear and yeah, I'd, I'd question about that too, because it seems maybe Gear maybe Gear didn't exactly know what happened or something. Because 
you know, it, it does make you wonder, did the story of what happened just never get out? Did he tell it or did he not know exactly what to say? Right. Well, because he says they, they were searching for the shard and they're like, oh, yes, yes the, the shard. shard. Yeah. Like, We've heard of the shard. Mm-hmm. Well, who told him about the shard? Well, they said that and then they said later they were like, if the crystal had really been damaged, then the Skeksis would have told us. So they're even doubting that the shard is actually that the crystal yeah. has actually been broken at this point. It's like it makes you question like when did the Gelfling actually discover that the Urskex had split into the Skeksis and the Uru? Like was it mm-hmm. at the moment of discovering the Wall of Destiny and the prophecy, or was it before that? I mean, it could be the the Wall of Destiny that the whole prophecy when they're on top of the you know, the hilltops, you know, the seven clans all get it, gathering together to um, to form a prophecy, I just thought, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that Ronup would have told them, or at least Augro would have told him at some point that, mm. you know, the Erskags were split. Yeah. I think Augro at this point is so obsessed with actually fixing the problem that she hasn't even had contact with the um, Gelfling since the incident is the impression I got. And she doesn't... It's like she's distanced herself entirely from them. She's so obsessed with fixing it and, you know, and uh, bringing the balance back to things that she's not really thinking of the Gelflings as individuals anymore. Because I think that's why Rana got into the fight with her in the first place, was she wasn't willing to go and do anything about the attacks. Yeah. So I don't think She's she told them about the split picture. at all. Mm-hmm. And Rana, I don't think, had contact with them either until he finally just said, okay, I'm sick of this, I'm going to go and do something about it. So probably the only information they would have gotten from about it would have been from Geyer, but... If he didn't tell, didn't know what to tell them, or didn't know exactly what happened, there wouldn't be much that they would know about it. And he probably didn't formalize it either. He probably didn't, you know, say this is exactly what happened. In my own words, I saw it. It was probably just, mm-hmm. you know, a summary of a story. And then as that gets out, it gets changed, like a game of telephone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that he didn't. He didn't know that they had split. He, mm-hmm. he didn't actually see the splitting. He just was like, what are these strange creatures that are running towards us? So he he might have known about the shard, but he didn't know about the split itself. Possibly. And it seems that to seems be a lot of missing information. People didn't tell other people various things here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's just, it's too late in some cases. You know, the Skeksis but are established. We've or, also established this is the heart of the Gelfling race. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, so basically, yeah, it's just got to a point where it's just like, you know, we don't need you or Ogre anymore with the Skeksis by our, si- by our side. The Gelfling have no need of your protection. And so, yeah, Rana, you know, walks away and Thal sort of catches up. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting that yeah, Thal wants to help Ronip, trying to you know work out what to do. Yeah, but he doesn't really have a plan. He's she asks him, and he says, "Well, I don't know. I'm just going to go away from here." Yeah, well, that, yeah. That doesn't really say much. So he's probably thinking, finding some way to discredit the Skeksis. At least that's the impression mm. I got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and I kind of like this little side story that I'll, I don't know if it's a little, sort of a side story about um, him explaining, you know, have you ever seen his skull, skull kick hunt uh, crawl rigs and with the beast circling up in the air and sort of, it's the same look I see in the eye of this Skeksis. Um, uh, kind of like that, you know. And then you sort of see, you run up and Thal sort of, uh, you know, telling campfire stories, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see the Skeksis come up onto these young Gelfling and even they're like, you know, it's like in the eyes of a child, even they can see the evil. Mm. It's like they're kind mm-hmm. of frightened a little bit. And there's that, that paddle ball triple sun game again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I need to try to make one of those and see if I can figure something out. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten into like with the whole like getting the um, ocarina, the double ocarina, and all that, and yeah. studying up on the flute and everything. Yeah. I've kind of gotten into uh, theremins, and I've kind of got obsessed with this Japanese artist that made a theremin with a Matryoshka Russian nesting doll, and I was like, mm. what can I do? What kind of theremin can I make that? is dark crystal related and I was thinking well maybe I could do like a crystal or something but then I thought it would be cool to have like an Uru stone that like as you moved your hand away from it it like made these weird sounds (laughs) wow Mm -hmm. but yeah there's all kinds of like little neat little details that they do here that's like a little throwback to volume one the little paddle ball game and so um at the campfire you know they hear something or um Ron appears some noises um in the woods and you know Thal's thinking, Oh, it must be one of those creatures and then it was re- you know, then we get the reveal that it's um uh the one of the mystics, the Uru. I wonder if this is the counterpart to Skekbar. Because you get a full page and he's got a bit of a headpiece. There also seems to be a symbol carved into the tree to the bottom right, just to the right of that uh, little creature. Yeah, that little, that, yeah, that little creature. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I mean, that's a cool thing is that you know, getting seeing all these like little details that you probably don't see it the first time, but when you really look into it, um, panel by panel, that's yeah, it's a pretty neat. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> There's a real vicious one, like, up in the tree. Yep. But that's also indicating to me that, you know, the Uru is there to protect the Gelflings from, you know, predators. Could be. Or at least get that impression. That that is interesting, that symbol. What's that? The symbol is very interesting, because there's another symbol like that on the uh, Skekvar page, but it's different. Oh. yeah, I haven't looked that up. Mm-hmm. But, that but I don't know if that uh, if it would be twisted and different in any way because it's his opposite counterpart as possible. Yeah. Well, in the world of the Dark Crystal, whenever you have a a page, like a picture or depiction of a Skeksi or something, there's always like their little signature like somewhere on the on the page. Like Skekzok is the one that it comes out to me because I have that tattooed on me, but uh, it's like it's like the there's right. always like some kind of little signature or something on the page, yeah, so this could be singles. their way of like referencing that. You know. Neat. Now I see. I wonder if he's like a guardian or if he's like the wanderer. 
I think he might be the Wanderer, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Hard to say. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the the balance now for the next chapter where you have the predators visiting the prey. Mm-hmm. You know, so previous, you know, we've got the, the prey being saved, and now the predators are going out and looking at the prey in their own nest, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they're up in a tree, like, ready to pounce. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, like they must be, like, pr- actually pretty far away from where they are, you know, for the scare for the gullings not to hear them. You know, we should wipe them out. As the gullings like, what? Yeah. What did you say? Oh, nothing. My <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that, yeah, the gullings probably didn't hear a thing. So, um... But, I mean, it's basically just the Skeksis saying, these guys are idiots. Ha ha ha, we're so smart. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that is pretty much yeah. Yep, and then we go on to uh, Ron up and Thal, and they get the opposite. It's oh, welcome to our home. You know, this is what we're all about. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the Valley of the Mystics. Yeah, which I, you now we get to see it because they're being led right there, and it made me wonder at this point if you know the Mystics have already established you know the wards around the valley, so the Skeksis have no idea. Well, they've had time to build the pathway, the spiral pathway, and they have like some ritual stones down in the middle there. And it seems yep. like they've done a lot of building, a lot of mm-hmm. establishing their their place here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, and and so when they arrived at the Valley and Mystics, they um, Orana, you know, finds out that you know that Kotha um is uh well and alive um. So it was a nice little reunion between them two. Um, and yeah, basically, yeah, puddling oh, Kotha just explained that, um, that, you know, he, he was saved by the Uru and, um, yeah, say, and, and he does say the one they call the Wanderer, Ergo, found me in the rubble of my village. And I kind of giggled at that. Yeah. <laughs> his name, yeah. he's the Wanderer and he's, his name is Ergo. Like, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Ergo. There he goes. <laughs> Ergo. Yeah. He's wandering. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's been wandering around and he's been finding these uh, villages that have been like trampled. We find out have been trampled and uh, mm-hmm. not attacked, but um, he's been, I guess, helping out. And it, it I kind of wonder what other people are there in the valley that we don't actually meet in all of these panels yeah like i mean i would just would have thought i'd just been just some mystics and only like i don't know i mean it would be interesting if i'm just trying to think like well because everyone's questioning is still questioning where is everybody yeah um and then so the the mystics say decide you know that they didn't want to take part of this sort of conflict um with the skexies and the galflings and and ronip um and um yeah i mean it's a, i mean i actually like this sort of conversation between um ronip and and the mystics 
so yeah, I think the Mystics just, they just don't want to. Um, it just just a field of yeah, just a conflict and death is just not their place. You know, they just rather avoid those things and not get too involved. Um, and just let be what you know, whatever happens happens. I guess. Um, yeah, while they're yeah. too passive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're very uh, much about destiny being destiny, and it being a, being unable to be altered type thing. Even in the movie, it's like they, you know, basically told Jin it was his destiny to go and um, find the crystal shard. I think they they just don't really get involved until they think it's the proper time. Right, everything was perfectly timed, but it was almost like, why would you not have told Jen earlier? Yeah. But then it was just, and when they set out from the village, it was like perfect timing, step by step. They walked right into the mm-hmm. crystal chamber, right at the moment, they stood up, mm-hmm. everything. It was like perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and, and if they had told Jen earlier, maybe they had foreseen that if he had left the village or, or the valley early, then maybe he would have not have been successful. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know what their their reasoning would have been, but I mean, they would have had a reason to not tell Jen until the proper moment. But it it seems like why didn't you tell him earlier? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just that just all that sort of just just came to my mind about the Wizard of Oz when um Doris, Dorothy's like, you know, why didn't you tell me that I could just click my heels three times and say there's no place like home? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, there's a bit of foreshadowing in this panel, too, where um, the mystic says, you know, is this what you want to do if it means your destruction? And uh, Ron, it says, if I have to, yes. You notice that he's cupping the side of his face that later on gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. That's interesting. I didn't notice that. Huh. Yeah, and be careful that it doesn't destroy you. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> He's like, Foreshadow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're back to, to the Galflings um, with um, Thal and her mother. And, um, and I'm just looking like, yeah, it seems like the Skeksis are sort of out and about it not time well this is a weird thing that i noticed is that here's thal's mother and she's like i wonder where thal is and it's like um earlier you were like you can't be out exploring the world what are you thinking it's dangerous out there and there's all these things attacking all these villages and then it's like oh thal's missing oh i wonder where she is it's like why are you not out looking for her why are you not in a panic okay this this is just something i just observed and it's probably nothing but in that top panel where she's looking out the window, doesn't that look like half of Rhonda's face to you? That golden eye? Oh, yeah. I do see that. I, I just noticed that. I mean, I don't know what kind of symbolism that might be, but I think that it's kind of interesting. Hmm. I had noticed that. That's a nice little touch. Yeah, that's actually, yeah. It's almost Pretty like neat. a transition or something like that. Sorry, yeah, I like interesting. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was as a motion comic, like, yeah, it would just 
be like going, a red fade, like yeah. fade into mm-hmm. the other panel, and yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. I, I like that image there. Whether it was intentional or not, I really like that observation. Yeah. And there's another little fizz gig there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, in a, in, in a second. <laughs> Got a well, sad yeah. face. Jim, Jim Henson did say the fizz gig was supposed to be kind of like her, you know, yappy little dog. So I'd imagine it's a popular pet. I mean, it's one of the the few things that you've seen that it through the movies that is domesticated, you know, like a little just pet. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I don't think it's the same fizz gig, <laughs> but for all we know, it could be. They are hard to tell now, apart. Mm-hmm. Now, is she um, observing the Skeksis in this fight, or is this just something that's going on at the same time? No. She's wondering? The way I saw it, uh, I see her looking at the empty table, and so is the fizz gig. You know, there's very little food, whereas the Skeksis are somewhere else where there's lots of food and they're fighting over it. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. It's like here we've been giving everything to the Skeksis and yeah, they're still bickering and being nasty. Mm-hmm. Hurry home. Oh, ho- home. Where'd you go? Like, I think she would have been in a panic. <laughs> like, you can't go yeah. out and explore. And then it's like, oh, I wonder where she is. Yeah, most mothers be in more of a panic it's than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, yeah, and so it comes that she wakes up. And um, Ronip's up and Kotha's up, and then they see yeah, the, the the army, almost like an army of miners, sort of <laughs> approaching them, um, as if they're going to attack them. Um, you know, and Thal's like, "What do we do?" And it's like, "No more fighting. I'm tired of fighting." So they're pretty much rumbling into the Valley of the Mystics. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Kotha can understand them through soul speaking. Again, it makes me wonder if the Skeksis had any way of controlling where they attacked. Just because that line that the Emperor says about those beasts have their uses and then they suddenly attacked the Gelfling village, you know, making the Gelfling want to ally with the Skeksis, and now they're attacking the Uru village. But there's no there's no section to say that clearly if that's what's going on I mean it might be coincidence that they're doing this it just seems I, it just seems odd that this that. happens this way uh, the way uh, the way I see it it's coincidence they're you know running around trying to find their way home and, you know this area of Thra is not that big it's not you know a vast vast world um, yeah. also I think that's supported by the fact that the Uru's Valley is protected against evil and yet we see these creatures able to, you know, swarm over the walls, indicating they're not mm-hmm. evil. That's oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I love this image with the three suns on the panel. Yeah. Mm. The three suns, and you see yeah. them all silhouetted against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great shot, yeah. Now, it, 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 I <clears throat> kind of thought about uh, soul speaking, and it's like, I wonder if... Do they still hear the sounds, like the actual speech of what these creatures are saying? Like, do they hear what everyone else hears, but they just understand it differently? 
or do they actually hear it in a podling language in their brain when when it passes through their auditory sensors like <laughs> and it's like it's is that how they taught Kira how to speak with animals without soul speaking like did they teach Kira how to soul speak or did they teach Kira just how to communicate with animals because they could actually hear the sounds of the animals and so since they knew that what the sounds meant then they were able to teach Kira the sounds and the words that's what I'm thinking they probably did it's hard to say though because if, if, if all they heard was translation, they wouldn't know what the actual sounds that they were making. So that in that case, they wouldn't have been able to teach Kira how to talk to the animals. But then we still don't know if Kira is actually soul speaking or if she is just able to understand them or not understand them, but or is able to communicate to them. I'm not sure. Did... Anybody else notice that it seems that Rana doesn't have the ability to understand creatures? Because Kotha, yeah, through this whole, to... yeah, through this whole chapter, is basically translating what they're saying to Rana, and he's kind of translating the podling language to Thal. Yeah, it seems to me like only the podlings are able to soul speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They'd be able to communicate with the miners. Yeah, and this is something new that was established in creation myths. Mm-hmm. The soul speaking that the podlings can do, and um, yeah, and from there we sort of get a bit of their backstory of the miners and you know where they came from, being underground creatures, and um, they look lava proof, like yes. they can walk through lava and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like how this one has like a shoulder armor thing. Yeah, a slight kind of like it's only clothing, like <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe it's just some kind of a rank symbol. Because they don't seem to be wearing clothes, other than that one thing. Well, there are um, some pictures in the back that have them. Like, one of them's wearing something that looks almost like a carapace that's tied around them and shoes and things. I think they're, they have some rudimentary intelligence to them. Because I think they craft their own um, mining tools and things of that nature. Oh, yeah, it looks like they have, like, little shells and carapaces and stuff. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, some of that might have been lost when they uh, got up to the surface and they're, you know, in this place that even even the air is damaging to them. They've probably kind of almost reverted to an animal-like intelligence just because they're in so much pain and so confused is the impression that I got from it. Because it's almost like they're wearing just loincloths and things now, and that they're a lot of them aren't even um, armed with their mining picks or anything like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And all they could do was run. Um, and um, yeah, it's just sort of when the crystal cracked, they sort of had to get out. That um, they were driven from their home beneath the surface, lost, confused, and terrified. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, with them being out out in the air, that sort of, like it says, like it sort of becomes poison to them. And, and yeah, so so we get back to um, Thal and Ranip and Kothar and um, Kothar. So, I like this image yeah. of Kothar's head just floating there while they're telling their story. 
Like I can hear <laughs> yeah. it all. I understand it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can soul speak. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or like yeah, like his face in the center of that um panel. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting that the mystic saved him too. It's almost like they knew that he would be needed to translate what these things were saying. Again, it's like the, they go for what affects what destiny is supposed to make happen type thing. Or just that, I think that's uh, interesting that they see. Oh. Uh, I think we lost Nancy. Oh. Oh, hey, Nancy. oh she's there. Yeah. Uh, did, did I cut out? Yeah, mm-hmm. for about uh, 10 seconds. Yeah, I didn't hear anything for a okay. second. Yeah. I was just saying he became kind of crucial to um, Ron Ippenthal knowing what was going on. Yeah, it's like they they kind of just are in tune with the flow of of time and circumstance. And mm-hmm. their their actions are so purposeful that it 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 guides the flow of what's to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain or put into words. Yeah. It's a little paradoxical because they're doing what destiny requires, but at the same time they're acting, which kind of causes it. So, <laughs> they're like, yeah, we won't get involved, but, you know, we well, will rescue also, this particular yeah. podling that's going to be important later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a big, it's, the, it's what makes them vulnerable and it's their weakness. It's like, you know, you could do a lot more, but because of the way you all are it's like your nature you can't help but to step back and and yeah yeah that's and that's kind of opposite of the skexies too because skexies this entire time have been you know sticking their foot in things (laughs) yeah just messing everything up and doing everything to become more powerful and meanwhile it's like the mystics are trying desperately not to be more powerful trying desperately to let things just kind of go the way that they're supposed to go it's like the opposite of taking advantage of something mm-hmm. well the important thing to remember too is that the mystics are not of throng so mm-hmm. they don't have a connection to the planet like all the other native life so you know, by themselves they're not interfering yeah and um yeah, and so it got to a point where, you know, they need to work out what to do with these miners. Um, and that, you know, if there is an answer, you must find it quickly. And then, yeah, we noticed that there is this, um, a Spriton, um Galfling clan um, uh, scout um, observing all this and essentially, yeah, reporting back to the Galfling clan and... Um, and the Skeksis about this, um, yeah, in a way that people are saying that, you know, uh, Thal has betrayed the Gelflings and Thal's mother, you know, sort of defending, defending her, um, as much as they can. I like how in this image, it's like whenever we see Skekso and Skekvar together, Skekvar is always more dominant in, mm-hmm. in, in appearance. He's always like, and, and it's almost like it's almost like he knows that if he just lets Skexo like be the emperor and think that he's in control, 
then he actually has more power. <laughs> Which could be the reason why he's not in the film. It could be his downfall later on. Maybe. Like maybe Skexo kind of sees right through it and somehow finds a way to get him out of the picture. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, while the Gelfings are talking about and uh, Skekvar's a bit like, enough talk. <laughs> and, um... Well, then that's Skeknaw, which is the slave master. And so he's able to... This is, this is where it establishes that Skekvar has a higher rank. And he's mm-hmm. able to give orders to Skek, um, Skeknaw. Well, which I guess in this panel, that's not Skekso and Skekvar. Yeah, it's a Skeknaw. That's actually Skeknaw yeah. and Skekvar. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, so Skekvar's like, you know, bring us your weapons and armor and, you know, we're, we're going to fight. And, um, and Thor's mother, um, Khan, I think that's her name is, you know, so it says, you know, well, I guess war has come to Thra. Um, so, so you know, I guess they... I mean, it'd be interesting whether there has been any, you know, wars, um, before, um, which I mean, I'd probably doubt it, or if they did, it'd be very small roles where it's like with, I don't know, with creatures like miners, essentially, um, the flying beasts and all that kind of stuff are probably not of this extent that, um, is happening. I think that there probably has never been anything like war and Thra. I just get that impression from it because it's very solemn, you know. It's and they were talking about how peaceful they were, and Ronup seems horrified that they're making weapons and armor. And even even though the uh, Spriten clan does that, most of the other clans of um, Gelfling, it doesn't seem that they've ever done something like that. So it makes me think there was never war before this particular moment. And. Um... Yeah, and so everyone's all, all outside, and um, I just love, I actually love this one page um, of um, Skekvar when he says, you know, the moment is here, let none of this filth survive, and see the other Skeksis alongside with him. I like how they're, they're like battle ornaments, like their helmets and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I did look, and this is the same symbol that is on the other full page of Skekvar. <laughs> That's what I was so just I'm about assuming, to look for. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's his signature. Interesting. Or yeah. his symbol or whatnot, yeah. Ask X for signature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, this is almost, like, going to be, you know, could have been pretty brutal, like, just the fact that they were, the Skeksis were, you know, going to kill, <laughs> to kill Thal, um mm-hmm. yeah it's so like kill her kill kill them all and um yeah it just could have gone all terrible um and here we've got the famous mystic chant yes mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> which we've which we yeah. actually have is now established that the skexies cannot stand that mm-hmm Yes, yeah. That like, I don't know if it's it a. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's like a particular specific tone that they're doing at this moment that is, or if it's just any of their chanting is like I think, repellent. 
it's almost like a unifying factor that when they all, whenever one of them starts it, they all join in and the Skeksis are just so divided among themselves. It makes me think it has something to do with that. The fact that the, the you know, mystics are unified and they're divided and this whole, this whole sound. And they were talking about their songs of the, um, the songs of the Urskeks and things of that nature. Maybe this is like a note that the Skeksis just can't hear, that the Skeksis can't identify with anymore. And it, feel, it makes them feel, it almost hurts them. Yeah, I like I like that that representation of the mystics being representing the conjunction and the Skeksis representing the split. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so they sort of come in to save the day, um, and they're just like, yeah, you know, bring us to to your council. There is much there is much to discuss, which is really interesting. Seeing a mystic and a Skeksis in the same room, you know. I guess, like, I guess for me, it's like, you know, I never thought, you know, ever since, you know, when they split apart that they would not have seen each other for such a long time, probably, you know, the thousand years, like in my mind sort of thing. So to see them, you know, in the one room, it's, yeah, really interesting. But I mean, they, you know, like it had to be resolved about what to do with these um, minor creatures um, because they know they can't take them back to where they came from. I like all the little the early establishment of the mystic tail ornaments and these headpieces and the hairstyles and I like all that. And this is this panel, this page here with the full mystic with his arms raised, but then in the, in the Mm. sections where his arms are folded out, you have these two separate panels, one with Ron up in the Gelfling and then one with all this underground kind of lava and whatnot. Oh, I like a lot of the artwork that's in this volume. Huh. But, <clears throat> this this picture with the um with the Uru on it and um Skekvar, it's sign it's got Skekvar's signature on it. So maybe this is his counter, Uru. Maybe. Maybe this is a symbol of him with the, the Skeksi behind him. And then there's this this uh like these uh symbol the the upper panel ha- or the upper section has like the some kind of conjunction symbol mm-hmm. that's true and so I guess the the one of the mystics sort of um sort of mentions about uh which I believe is actually the the wanderer um I think he was the first um the mystic that we saw from the campfire. Um, so he's traveled far and sort of says that he's heard of a place known as the field of fire, um, that that might be the way to go to, um, get, uh, to get the miners, um, to somewhere like there that's just full of fire that they'll be able to, to live. Um, so, um, and yeah, he sort of mentions about, you know, but someone has to take him to take the miners to the field of fire. Um, and that, um, and then, yeah, sort of run up. like, you know what? I'll, I'll lead them. Um, 
and you know, are you certain it would mean your death? And better my death than these creatures someplace safe. Um, and so I guess they they agree upon that. And um, yeah, because I mean, he did mention something about that um, that would be hard for a, you know hard for a Galfling or or um, anyone to to go there. Um, And, um, yeah, so they said that sort of, sort of settles it and back to the castle, the crystal, and it's sort of like, they feel like, I guess, um, um, Skekvar was a bit, you know, disappointed the way it ended that, you know, didn't get what we want, but Skekso, uh, reminds them that, well, you know, they did give us a seat at the council and so they're still allies and that you know, sure, we didn't, you know, win, you know, the whole thing, but it was still a part of the victory, um, just to be allies with the Galflings, so, and so, yeah, I mean, Ronup then leaves, um, and Ronup sort of feels that, yeah, only he's the one that can, can take on this sort of quest, um, and yeah, I sort of like it with Thalion, you know, you're not a trickster run-up, you know, you're a hero. Um, yeah, just a kind of ni- nice little little moment there between the two of them. I, I thought it was kind of neat that she was the one who gave him the robes, too. I mean, this is the only type of clothes that Ronup has really worn, and, you know, it's kind of a symbol of his friendship to her and to his sort of like his, his uh, attachment to the Gelflings, and I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, and then you see him uh, standing there dressed, uh, uh, saying goodbye to Agra, and she's mm-hmm. not really interested in him. Yeah, I thought that was kind of sad. It's like she's finally just totally detached from him. And she, though at the end she is crying when um, yeah he leaves entirely. The fact she didn't say goodbye or even acknowledge he was going just was yeah just sort not of sad, broken, you know. But just broken, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is th- so this is where we we realize that Ronup is the storyteller. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yeah. So this is, and it's you know it's it, this this robe is something that that Thal made him, and she added these little grommets with the runes hanging from him, and mm-hmm. I guess to protect him on his journey. Yeah, so he puts on the robe and he says, you know, let's let's go. <clears throat> At this point, I was still questioning, you know, how is he dying, and it's it's we we realize it's a one way trip. It's it's kind of a shame that there, that he didn't go into. Um, more details about the actual journey you know because this is his final story and it's just kind of a shame he didn't tell any of his particular story by himself or with these creatures and taking them to safety it's just like he just kind of says suffice to say they got there okay yeah yeah because i know it mentions like some of the the many adventures together the pirate birds of lados and the great mountain of krell um, I remember, I think I chatted, I remember like, um, when I chatted to Matthew Dow Smith and, um, 
he kind of like put those things in there in case you know if if I did get him back to write more um dark crystal stories that that would probably be one of his um pictures that he would like to <laughs> uh, yeah, that, to to write more I, stories about those adventures <laughs> i kind of got that impression too i was thinking maybe they're going to come out with another book that's ronup's story which you know what happened after this when that would be really interesting it's like well, a this, teaser i'm like oh man come on <laughs> well this also goes into my establishment of how the book of Algra from the world of the dark crystal is actually a translation and can't really be taken as fact. Whereas this is, this is um, from Ron Up's point of view and whatnot. So we, we, we know that the storyteller is Ron Up. So this is, you know, a hands-on account or his, his um, portrayal, the, his, his perception, his, telling of what actually happened and i just love this line right here it says but only ronup and the others know the truth of all those stories yeah but of all those points of view i think i trust ronup's the most because he seems to be the most honest character yeah that we've mm-hmm. met you know not so that just kind of yeah it just kind of like puts the conclusion on okay You've been questioning World of the Dark Crystal and creation myths, and, well, here it is. This is the canon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Only Ron up and the others know the truth, but here it is. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah, like, um, you know, I'm talking to, you know, Fizz Gig that, you know, did he finally... I, st- <laughs> I still hate that he's talking, talking to, to the Fizz Gig. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I just yeah. have to interject that. I- yeah. <laughs> Like when you talk to someone more important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I liked the idea of him talking to an audience that isn't necessarily there, like talking to the reader. and Or, you know, maybe a group of Gelfling or something like that. But when it, it turns out he's talking to the Fizz Gig, I just was thinking to myself, it's a Fizz Gig. It, it probably doesn't even know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fed it, and now it's following you around. And I mean, also, I think it's I mean, cute. It's cute. Sorry, Blanche. it's it's cute. Oh no, I'm just saying that it's cute that he's talking to a biz gig. Yeah. Well, leave a written record though is another thing. I hope he has. I hope he's told the story to more than just the fizz gig though, because otherwise it's lost. Which is well, maybe also that's sad. it. Maybe this is the yeah. fizz gig from the movie. Maybe only fizz gig knows the truth. Uh. That was <laughs> good. If he understood every word, but he couldn't tell anybody because he doesn't have, you know, any speech capability. But the ability that would be really practice. cute. Yeah. Though then, Kira can communicate to Fizzgig. So, that's the other thing. So, could, yeah, maybe, maybe if that is the same Fizzgig, that's it. Well, she can communicate to him, but can she understand what he says? Yeah, that was never really established. Maybe, but maybe the other potlings... Can I, but the other um, she, would be. she actually can understand because she says in that scene with the um, oh what are they called the the tall the things with the tall lanky legs. Landstriders, um, thank you. In the scene with the landstriders, she says that they'll take us. So she does know how what the animals are saying. Well, but does she is she established that they'll take us, or does she just know that hey, I'm going to call these landstriders and we're going to ride them? So. This I is our transportation. Kinda, I'll take this. I thought it was I just a thought, generalization. Yeah. 
kind of uh, thought they, she almost had heard their response or could yeah, understand their response. Scene. But I don't think there's any scene that I recall that she understands what Fizgig is saying. He understands her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's not two way. But then can the podling soul speak with all creatures? Like maybe there's maybe they can't understand Fizgigs. Maybe there's certain creatures that they can't actually soul speak with. But would anyone think to ask? True. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's a story down the road of um of where we see inside Fizgig's mind and and he knows all the truth and all the questions to, or the answers to all the questions we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping that Ronup got to tell more than just the fizz gig, but it's it's leading you towards the conclusion that Ronup is going to die. But I wonder if he's somehow reborn or something, because there's the line at the beginning where he's talking about um, the, you know, my time here is nears its end, and um, like all endings is... Um, he's talking about the story and the ending of the story, but he says, which, like all endings, is only another beginning in the in the skies. So, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the end for him, or maybe um, maybe in some way he'll come back, because it just seems it seems odd for Ronup to just disappear at this particular point. I was wondering, like, like how old is he? Oh, go ahead. Well, I got the impression he was old at this point. Yeah. And he didn't well, want to go back and have everyone look at him as this weak, old, withered thing. And he wanted them to remember him as he was. Right. It's like, well, they just mentioned like all these other adventures. So mm-hmm. tons of time has passed and he witnessed all of this stuff go on. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like, why is, why is he dying? Well, we know it's, it's because he had taken them back to the area that they could survive in. But then it's like, mm-hmm. how long did he survive after that? And how does he know that he's getting ready to die? And it's just... Mm-hmm. I like to think that... Um, I like to think he lives on and might have more... I don't know... Um, more of a role in other uh, books in the future, but hard to say. Because no telling how old he actually is or how long he would normally live if he hadn't been so um, burned and um, hurt by the journey. Well, even this last... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's a unique creature, so maybe even he doesn't know, but he does know he's dying. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, even in this, in these last panels here on this last page, it just goes, it just kind of goes back to your point that he's actually he he is talking to the fist gig. Mm-hmm. He's like, I saw so many things, my fuzzy friend. I would mm-hmm. hate for them to be forgotten, and and that was my favorite. That was my favorite line here. He says, "I wonder if they still tell legends about me, and I hope they're all the truth. I would hate mm-hmm. for them to be forgotten, and the truth is, they were." Because he's not mentioned mm-hmm. in the world of the Dark Crystal. He was forgotten. Maybe, maybe another reason he's dying is because he's separated now from Agra entirely. Because maybe it's she, been so long that she's forgotten about him too with her Yeah. With the way the I, cracking of the crystal like distorted her. Yeah. I get that impression. And even though, you know, she's considered his son, 
he was also a part of Thra and a part of her. And if she forgets him, maybe it makes him, maybe he was immortal before, but now he isn't. So he might even be just, he, he knows he's dying, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to die, you know, at the end of the story. It just might mean that he's slowly dying and he's aware of it. Right. Like he could still be wandering Thra. Mm-hmm. At the time of the healing of the crystal. And there's a chance that, I mean, even at that moment, maybe you would think that Algra would have had this clarity after the crystal was healed and would have remembered Ronup. And so maybe like that so. is a future story of a sequel of sorts where Ronup comes back. Mm-hmm. And he's that like, somehow really awesome. I was here. Yeah. It would be pretty cool. Yeah. Because I, I would have thought, like, you know when the crystal got healed and you know he's you know from a distance and he you know witnesses it and sees the crystal being restored back to what it was and you know just a you just see him just smiling it's just like yep you know it worked you know yeah now do you think he would have healed after that because his injuries weren't i guess caused by deterioration of thra itself and the energy of the crystal it was actually a physical injury mm-hmm and, Makes you wonder if maybe he he would have been healed or not. Hmm. I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah, because I mean, the thing with Ronab is, yeah, he's from a different planet. Like, he's not all Thra. Right. Well, kind of is, you know. And- well, then Kira is restored and she comes back to life, and hers was a stab wound. But then, yeah, my theory, my one of my theories there is that it, it's said by Wendy Froud that her dress is a a living part of Kira and that it pales when her essence is partially drained. And it, it, and and by having like maybe her being stabbed, if she was at full essence power, maybe it would have just injured her and not fully killed her. But having been partially drained, it weakened her enough to where it did kill her. And then when the crystal was restored, her essence was restored and therefore, that's how she survived. Yeah, interesting, yeah. So maybe, yeah. but maybe it's just one of those things. Like, maybe the Erskex mm-hmm. healed her. Maybe they're like, hold her to her. She's part of you. We're all part of each other. Here we I all. Got the we're all chanting. They did that. They healed her, and Agra doesn't change at the end of the movie either. No. And I think True. that she might have, you know, she had injuries from when they even just arrived. So I think that they specifically healed Kira. Well, they they healed Agra at that time, too. Her injuries were actually worse, and they were the ones that healed her. So maybe that's how huh. they healed Kira. Maybe they healed Kira the same way. Probably, But yeah. then they also leave. Mm-hmm. They're also able to actually go back to their home world at that point. So if Ronup returns, maybe that's another thing. The Erskex aren't there to heal him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's so many stories. And yeah. <laughs> and well, there so you go. Too. Now you can write all these stories <laughs> and we're the shadows of the dark crystal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that pretty much yeah concludes the... Um, the whole discussion on the dark crystal creation myths so yeah again i just want to say yeah just you know thank you so much to everyone and and bland and peter and and nancy and and everyone um 
that has participated w- with the discussions. It's 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 been a, it's been great fun. Yeah, absolutely. Just hearing little things that I've missed while reading it. Oh, wow! Look at that. I totally missed that. I never thought of it that way. It's been great. Yeah, yeah I really liked having these discussions because of all those little things that you don't notice. Mm-hmm. The neat bouncing ideas off of each other. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal chamber! Well, that's all the time I have for this month's Trial by Stone. Special thanks to Bland Garrett, which you can find him on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash blandorella. Also to Nancy Gray, which you can check out her website at nancygray.net. And also to Peter M, which you can find him on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash mordanty. And also a big special thanks to everyone who has participated in the Dark Crystal Creation Myths Roundtable. And to you, the listeners, for listening to our discussions on these books. I hope you got a kick out of it. I hope you all enjoy the show and come back next month for more Trial by Stone.